This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Just to share with a testimony, I think that's really good, just to give us something to really focus on to praise God for. Okay, I know she's a bit, you're a bit shy, weren't you, but I thought it would be cool, Sherry. Just share, what, just sort of think, what, what were you like before, I know before you had the operation, but you know, like recently the last few weeks, what, what's God done for you? Oh, so much, what he's done in my life. I mean, even Margaret just remembered my smoking. I mean, I was 60 a day. I had pills, I had injections, nothing. One day I got on my knees and I prayed. No more smoking. Mm. I mean, that was a miracle. That's what ruined my health. Yeah. That's what gave me emphysemia. They said I'd never be cured of emphysemia. I said, will it get any worse? They said, we don't know. This day I'm not on oxygen. No more oxygen. That is prayer. I came out for prayers one day here, and Angie's arm was on my back, and it was burning, burning. I nearly said, get your hand off my back. We left it there. No more oxygen. Is that a miracle? I mean, it must be. Eh? I had oxygen all through the night and a lot through the day. I don't know. It was a miracle. So uh, when I went into hospital, I wasn't scared to die. I must admit that. But, I mean, they weren't going to do the operation, and then they said they would. I had a little cross in my hand the whole way. It fell out my hand halfway through. They put it in my other hand. It was wonderful. I can only say the operation was wonderful. I was awake. And uh, when I came out, the nurse said, I've never seen nobody come out laughing and smiling. Because they said, my chances were six to five that I wouldn't make it with my heart. I'm here. It's a miracle. It only can be. And I mean, I'm so happy. I'm really a happy person. And I'm going in to have my knees done this year, and I'm not a bit worried. That's, it's a miracle. Amen. Um, yeah, well, I'd like to say about our little grandson, actually. Um, going back last, um, he was a month early. He's now nine months. But when they first tested him, he, they thought he only had one kidney. And um, anyway, they'd done four scans over a period of months. Anyway, the fourth scan, they found out they did, he did have one, but it wasn't actually in the place it should be. But uh, it's smaller than the other one, but it is actually functioning. And I just praise God for that because he's a healthy little boy. And obviously now he's crawling. And uh, praise God for that. And thank you for all your prayers. Amen. Okay, let's stand, show. I think it's good to start with testimony. Often we wait to the end. It's great just to do that, just to, just to create an atmosphere of faith and what God does for others, God can just do for us today. Well, we just thank you for the power of testimony. We thank you for, for those today that have, who can testify of your goodness, who can testify of some of the great and awesome things you've done in their lives. And what we want to today just come into your presence and we want to just thank you for all the amazing things that you're doing continually, day-by-day day basis, Lord. Not always necessarily the outwardly miraculous things, but just the fact in all kinds of ways you're working and moving in our lives. Sometimes not even aware of it, but you're here, God. We just want to come into your presence today. We want to enter with praise. We want to enter with thanksgiving. We want to we bless you. You tell us to bless the Lord and all that's within us to bless your name. We come today. We say, Father, we want to bless you. We bless you for your goodness. We bless you for your mercy. We thank you. You're the kindest person we know. 
And so today, we want to lift you up today. We want to magnify you, Lord, all our hearts today. Lord, we, we want to give you the best that we have today. Because, Lord, that's our, we present ourselves as living sacrifices. We give to you the best that we have, that your name will be glorified in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Delancey Union Church. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelin.co.uk. Chapter 10 and verse 3. I think this is kind of a little bit an unusual kind of a word I want to bring to you this morning. I want to talk about war horses. You ever see the film War Horse? Let me see that film. Yeah, it was, a, it was cool. I never see it. It looked good. It looked good. It looked good. I want to just. I've, I've learned. I'm probably the last, the least likeliest person in the world to speak about horses. I want to tell you that right now. Uh, me and horses don't tend to get on very well. Uh, but I've just been fascinated just studying this whole subject of, of war horses and how they train war horses. And there's a great scripture here in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 3. I'll give you a few minutes to find Zechariah. <laughs> Zechariah 10, verse 3. My anger is kindled against the shepherds, and I will punish the, the goat herds. For the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them as his royal horse in the battle. Actually, if you read that verse, it's actually saying, as it, and it's talking about shepherds and all this, but one thing it's focusing is that almost God takes a sheep and turns it to a war horse. Isn't that amazing concept? You think about it. God wants to take sheep and transform them into war horses. Oh, that's just awesome. But God looks on you and he says, I want to take you, I want to make you a war horse. It would be kind of cool if you could do the, you know, the, the sound of a horse. How many could do that? If you could, if you, no, you could do it, no, okay. Uh, they kind of would add to the kind of word, you know, the word, if you could kind of do a nay, or I don't know, whatever else you want to do. A nay, that's a good one, isn't it? So instead of, bah, you can do a nay, that's the picture of it. So you're not a sheep, you become a war horse from a bah to a nay, sort of thing. Sorry about the word, I can never do animal noise anyway, but there's the, I just got, I just got, I just got loaded today. By the way, happy birthday, Sid. I forgot to mention it. Last week he was 89. Thank you, Sid. I meant to say that. <laughs> I knew I'd get you at one point. <laughs> so there's this picture that God says, I'm going to take sheep and I'm going to make them into war horses. Now, I want you to see the difference between a show, you know, kind of a horse that does show jumping or a horse that kind of wanders in a field and has his character or else he has and a horse that actually becomes a war horse. Not a horse that looks pretty, not a horse that sort of does jumping sort of stuff, but it's a war horse. Incredible transition. God says, I want to take sheep who are often so fearful and frightened and so easily, you know, troubled, and I want to take sheep and I want to make them into war horses. I just pray this morning, we'll get a real revelation of this and say, God, I want to be a war horse. I don't want to be a war horse. That's an amazing war horse that's just going to do incredible things. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray revelation would flow into hearts today and that you'd bring into us such a sense today that, that you want us to make us into real 
spiritual warriors, wants to make us into war horses. Lord, that you would work in us and conform us and change us, Lord, that we would be those war horses that are going to go into battle and achieve awesome, amazing things for you. And we just pray for our brother Keith right now as well today, that you'd touch his body right after that fall, Lord, that you'd touch him and you continue work in his body and you continue bring me to health. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's this picture, this war horse. Now, what used to take place was that you think a war horse originally was a wild horse. You know, the horses are kind of wandered in all the prairies and this kind of wild horse. The first thing that a war horse needs to learn is it needs to lose its independence. One thing about a horse, horses, are, when they're untrained, when they're kind of wild stallions, hate anybody sitting on its back. A wild stallion of a horse will, will hate anyone sitting on its back because if anything's above the horse, the horse will always feel that particular thing's a threat to it. It will always feel something that's on its back, something that's above it is a threat. A horse will always see that's not, that's still wild, will always see anyone at its back as an enemy. What a great picture. Before we came to Christ, we were running wild. Is that right? No boundaries in life. Totally, if you like, running wild. Trying anything we could do to sustain life. Trying to get satisfaction any way we could. The world calls it freedom, but actually it's bondage. And this is the picture before we came to Christ. I think deep in our hearts, as we were living this kind of Life with no boundaries, doing our way, going our way, doing our own thing. We knew deep in our hearts that's not, not the way we were meant to be. This wild horse, this wild stallion then, is captured. It's brought into a place of boundaries. It's brought into this paddock. It's, it's brought into a place of boundaries. Because there, they've got to learn to deal with those boundaries. This is a picture I want to get hold of. This will just follow us all the way through. Really what God's after above all else. He wants to bring all of us into a place, and I term it the joy of obedience. You know, there's three levels of obedience. There is the duty-bound obedience. We kind of obey at a kind of duty. It's a kind of duty we kind of feel what I ought to do because it's my duty to obey. The second level of obedience is the obedience that really is consequent obedience. In other words, we know if we don't obey, there are certain consequences of our disobedience. And because we know the consequences, we obey. It's almost a fear-based obedience. The highest level of obedience that God wants to bring us to is I have to interpret this. Affection-based obedience. You know who makes the greatest workers for God, really? It's lovers. Lovers will always work harder than anybody else because they do it with a right heart, a right spirit. It's not so much based on duty. It's not based on consequences. It's based on a desire that you obey God simply because you love him. It's loving obedience that actually flows. It's interesting that one of the theme that's come out this morning that sense that we just delight to do his will. 
It's not something that we, oh, you know, oh, we've got to do the will of God again, or we've got to obey God, oh, no, we've got to obey God. It's come to this, you know, that kind of feeling. It's almost a delight. We actually delight to obey God, and we obey Him in loving obedience. We obey Him because we love to obey Him. And that's the level God wants to bring us. Can you say amen? That's the level He's working at. And that's what really becoming a war horse is all about. To bring us to a place where we actually come to a point of the joy of obedience. The Bible says, it's those who are willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. And yet it simply is this. As the war horse has to learn the mastery of its rider. So God's war horse, if you like, are learning the joy of allowing God to master their life. The joy of allowing God to, to, to be mastery over our life. The joy of submitting to his will. They all want to get to. To get to that place of joyful obedience, to get to that place of, of delighting to do his will, God has to do something. And it's a word we don't like too much. It's a word called Training. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 7. A war horse doesn't just become a war horse. It's got to go through training. It's just got to go through training. Hebrews 12, verse 7. I kind of don't think this verse is probably underlined in your Bible very much. It's not the verse that's kind of the most well-read verse in your Bible. I guarantee it. This is what it says. If... You endure chastening. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father doesn't chasten or discipline? God is a father, and when God sees us, he sees us as his children. God looks at us, God looks at us through the eyes of a loving father. Because he's a loving father, he has your future on his heart. A father is looking to equip his children for the future. And God looks at you and says, I want to equip you for your future. I believe you've got an amazing destiny and future. And in order for that to happen, sometimes I've got to correct you. I've got to discipline you because I'm training you for something amazing and something awesome. I'm training you to do something incredible with your life. I'm not training you to live a life of mediocreness, not a life of half-heartedness, not a life of underachievement, but I want you to live a life that fully fulfills my purpose. People who are in training are in training not for the sake of training. Very few people I know run because they enjoy running. Is that right? Very few people enjoy really trying to get fit because that's what they really enjoy. They really enjoy all the aching muscles. They really, they, people don't enjoy it. They tend to do because they have a purpose for the training. It's either training to keep fit or in different sports, they realize that talent alone is not enough. You need to be trained to fulfill what you're meant to fulfill. And God has got such an amazing life for us. He trains us for purpose. 
He trains us for purpose. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, is disciplining us, if you like. It's training us so that we can live in a whole new, new dimension than what we've ever lived before. See what happens? That when a son refuses to be corrected, the Bible says a son that refuses to be corrected becomes spoilt. And that word spoilt means ruined. Their potential is ruined. How many people, I wonder, had amazing potential, had amazing ability, had amazing talents, had amazing giftings, but because they never allowed their life to be corrected, they never fulfilled what was in their life to fulfill. Because they never allowed their lives to be corrected. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Joseph. I mean, I love Joseph. I just love that guy. And I think of all the things that guy went through. Prison, wrongful accusation, betrayed by his brothers. I mean, he went through things in life that many of us would never even, even touch in a moment. But you know what the Bible says about Joseph in Psalm 105, verse 18? The Bible says his soul came into iron. I love it. In other words, because of the dealings, because of the, the things he went through in life, because he had a correct response and a correct attitude to what he went through in life, the Bible says his soul became as iron. What happens when your soul becomes as iron? You don't cave in at the first problem. You don't fall to pieces the moment something difficult happens. Because through the, the training, through the corrections of life, something in you has become strong. Your soul has become as iron. There's an inner strength inside you that can face the challenges and the difficulties of life because you've learned through the issues, through the difficulties, to keep your heart right, your attitude right, and it's what it's left in you is a soul of iron. That's what God brings about. He's raising up war horses who've got this soul of iron. Now, here's the difference. When they train a war horse, they train it not to break, not to break it, but they bring it to a place to train it. There's a difference between breaking a horse and training a horse. You see, God wants us to make the right choices out of our free will. A, a war horse has learned to receive training development. Wrong responses bring pressure. Right responses bring rewards. That's what the war horse has learned. You can't beat and whip a war horse into submission. If you try and beat and whip a, war ho a horse into submission, it will never make a good war horse. Same with animals. You, any kind of, you can't just whip an animal in a sense to make it a good animal, if you like. The key for effective war horse training is that the horse has to learn, allow it his will to come in line with the rider's will. Remember, that rider is taking that horse into battle. Think about it. And so, there comes a point where he's got to allow the will of the rider, the will of the horse has to come in line with the will of the trainer, of the rider. 
Here's what I believe with all my heart. That's why God does all this training, all these things we go through, is to allow our will to come into alignment with His will. His will becomes our will. In other words, we allow what, what's on heaven's heart to become aligned in our hearts. There's this alignment that the will of God, we are aligning ourselves to the will of God. I believe there's such a powerful word today of alignment. God is wanting to align his people with his will. Not something of, of, of legalistic ways, but something of a heart desire. A heart connection with the heart of God. That we feel his heart, we feel his desires, and our hearts and our will is coming to align with him. And when that happens, something awesome, something great is going to take place. Let the will, what's the Lord's Prayer? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let my will from my heart come in alignment with your heart. See, that's how Jesus operated. He said this, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say the words that my Father tells me to speak. Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. I'm living in perfect alignment with the Father's will. And that's what God's doing. He's bringing us into harmony through the training, through the discipline, through the correcting of life. The whole goal of it is to bring our will into harmony with His will. Why is that important? Because the danger is often we see our own life, we see life through earthly perspective. We see through our own mindsets. We, we see our, our future, our destinies, through our own understanding. Some way, God's got to so work in us that we begin to see everything through heaven's perspective. You find that sometimes when you're praying for the sick, sometimes. If you look at it from an earthly perspective, sometimes there doesn't seem any earthly answer to that situation. Have you found that? Oh, but from heaven's perspective, it's no problem. From heaven's perspective, God always operates in the realm of impossibilities. We work in the realm of, of difficulties, of, 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 pos of impossibilities, of, sorry, of limited possibility. God always works in the realm of impossibility. And some way, for our mindset, for our heart to get a connection with heaven's perspective on it, things change. If we could just get heaven's perspective on what we're going through right now, it would change totally and completely. But we've got to allow our hearts and our minds and our will to come into, into harmony with what heaven desires. Can you say amen? Look at Proverbs 21, verse 31. God's working to bring us into submission in a, in a loving father heart way. So we can begin to accomplish his will and his purpose on the earth. We'll never do that until we've gone through the correction and the disciplines of God. But when we've allowed that to work it's in our lives and we're brought into this harmony with the will of God, awesome things just happen. I mean, they're wonderful. Here's the purpose of his... Proverbs 21, verse 31. It says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. Here's the point. A horse is prepared for battle. What does that mean? That means that the first sign of battle, 
the rider doesn't want the horse just to bolt off. You know, the, the first moment that someone shouts or there's something going on and the horse bolts at the first problem of battle, that's what he doesn't want. And God wants to release his power, amen. He wants to release his glory in his church. But I believe with all my heart, part of that has to happen, has to be a preparation of heart to be able to receive the fullness of what God wants to give. I've been reading about the church of China. The church in China is the fastest growing church in the world. I saw video clips of what happens in the underground church, as they call it. Just incredible things that happen, the miracles, the healings, the salvations. People who are so radical for God, it's almost scary, they're so radical. But you know what? They didn't get there in a moment. They had to go through incredible persecution. They had to go through all kinds of, of battles and situations. As they allowed God to work in them, if you like, God has raised up an incredible church of power and glory. Sadly, the church is often full of people who had the power but didn't have the character. They didn't have the heart preparation. So they misused the power and misused the gifts, the talents that God gave to them because the character did not come into line with the power. Can you see that? And what God does, he works in us so the character comes into line with power and God can actually trust us with amazing things. He can trust you with power. He can trust you with all kinds of things because he's worked that area in your life. Look at Psalm 16, verse 7. Again, if you go back to that, I didn't notice, I didn't notice those first words when I looked at this before, but it says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night season. The same word there that's used for counsel is, a, is, is the same word that's used for the head of the horse. Counsel means to receive instruction and resolve from God. He says to instruct. And that word in the Hebrew means to bind to chase, to, to, to correct, to approve, to lead by the will of the heart. That's what God's doing. He's so working things in us that we're brought into God and our hearts are, we're being led by our heart. He instructs the hearts. And in order to do that, the barriers, the areas of our life, had to be removed so that our hearts become hearts that God can begin to speak, correct, counsel, and work in our hearts. Every time God disciplines us, every time God corrects us, it's not just for the, just for the sake of punishing or correcting, it's always for the purpose of doing something in our character. How many have found in their life that, and I found it so much, how our character needs to be dealt with? You kind of felt that. And that's life's journey. God's wanting to rearrange areas of character, areas of attitudes in us. So we can do something awesome and something incredible in our life. Because here's the point. When we're in that place, God then can give us the right counsel and give us the right direction to life. You know what's the worst thing you could ever do? Is to make decisions when your heart's not right. I found more and more, I've allowed my life some way to come into a, to, to a place of peace. I can see when I look back of wrong decisions that I make are decisions that I made 
when I wasn't in peace. Out of turmoil, out of confusion sometimes, decisions can come and they always inevitably become wrong decisions. But when your heart is full of peace and God's worked in your heart, that is far easier to make a good, great decision. Amen? And God's worked that peace in you. And out of that will come great decisions. How that will be, you always make right ways and right decisions out of that connection of heart. And that's what God wants to do. So that we obey from our heart, not from our intellects, not through our mind, but the obedience comes from our heart. We, we feel the, the, something in our heart. We know that which is in our heart is the way God is leading, God's directing. He operates through the heart. He speaks to the spirit of man. Proverbs says that the spirit of man is as, is as a candle to the Lord. So he speaks. He reveals his heart and his will to our heart. But our hearts are going to be in the right place to receive the counsel and the direction that God wants to give you. You see that? Where there's issues in us, it's a barrier and a wall to receiving the counsel and the will and the purpose of God for our life. There's the next thing. You know what they do to war horse, what they do to war horses? So I, wish, I should have got a pole here. But they put a pole and they connect some rope around the, to the to the, to, the, to the pole and to the horse. What's the horse doing? The horse is learning to live its life in harmony with the rider. So when the rider wants to go right, it goes right. When the rider wants to go left, it gets left. It learns to live its life. It's trained to a point where when it faces diverse situations, it knows what to do. War horses develop Great relationships with the trainer. I think so often that that what God's doing, he wants us to bring to a place of such a submitted heart to Jesus, such a submitted heart to the work of the Holy Spirit, that his desires become our desires. We begin to lose our agendas. And we learn to recognize the promptings of the Holy Spirit. When he prompts us to, 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 to do a certain way, he nudges us, he prompts us. How many realize that sometimes the Holy Spirit does it in a subtle way? And we've got to learn to recognize the promptings and the leadings and the movings of the Holy Spirit on the heart. That's a great way to be. When you know just in an everyday way, the Holy Spirit's leading you. He's leading you to go to, 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 maybe to go a certain place, to, to see a certain person, to say a certain word. You're feeling the promptings and the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Because when that war horse hears the trumpets, it feels the squeeze of the knees, it responds by turning his neck and away it will go. And God wants horses fit for battle. Horses that are following and being led by the power of the Spirit of God. We've learned how to follow the leadings and the directions of the Holy Spirit. And that leads your life to a whole brand new dimension. Isn't it great? You're not basing it on human logic or human reasoning. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to direct and guide you in life. And it's amazing. 
We've got to learn that way. We've got to learn that truth. We've got to learn to let God so work in us, every single prompting he gives us, we just go with it. You know what I found? found? It all comes from learning to obey his promptings. And if we do that, the more we do it, the more sensitive we become to it. I remember years and years ago, seeing a field that had just been plowed up. And you could see just the slightest footprint Next door was another, was another field, actually, that all wild grass. and You know, thousands of people have walked over that grass and you wouldn't even know it. And God said to me, that's what I want your heart to be like. I want your heart to be so sensitive that the moment I prompt your heart and lead your heart, you respond to it. And that's what God just does. This is what War Horse is all about. Learning the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. God wants to raise up war horses who are responding to him. How does that happen? When we learn to respond correctly. That we don't moan and groan. We learn to respond correctly. Respond with praise. Respond in love. That's an amazing way to respond, isn't it? Responding. And as your response becomes right, so your heart becomes more and more sensitive, more subtle, more open, more aware to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And God begins to form and trade these amazing war horses. Because you've learned to walk in harmony with the rider of the Holy Spirit. Remember, who's got the reins in your life? That's the issue. How many say, I want Jesus to have the reins? I want the Holy Ghost to have the reins of my life. And if he tells me to go right, I go right. If he tells me to go left, I go left. If he tells me to go and see that person, I go and see that person. He tells me to say that word of encouragement to that person, I say it. If he wants me to bless that person in a certain way, I do it. And the more you do it, the more God's going to do awesome things for your life. I found this. If you obey him in the small things, then he's going to do great things. Amen? If we can't obey him in the small things, then we're never going to obey him in the big things. Here's the next thing. I found that, you know, a horse, a horse's first reaction is a mental disposition attitude. You know, sometimes we can do the right thing with the wrong attitude. I think attitude is so important. Attitude, God wants to work in you. Because what happens is they put the rope around the neck. You ever seen those in cowboys, the rope around the neck? In awesome, and they, they kind of throw this rope, and it just goes round the horse's neck. How many think cowboys are? are just, have you seen cowboys? They do, they're just, I love those films. They make me so laugh, cowboy films. I love when the guy, he comes into the bar. Have you noticed nobody speaks a word? They're all like, just silence. His eyes, everyone's looking at him, his eyes. Then somebody usually challenges him, and then he usually shoots them. And they think I laugh about it, but he gets on the piano, and everybody, how are you doing? And they have a good laugh. Oh, it's all happy then once that happens. And with cowboys, they're just there and they just put this rope around this guy's neck, around the horse's neck, sorry. <laughs> Not the guy's neck, they probably do it to the guy as well, but they do it to the horse because that horse then can actually follow the directions of the rider. In other words, I think what God has to deal with is our wrong thinking. The way we think about ourselves, I think, can so limit our lives. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so he is. We have wrong responses because we have wrong thinking. 
We have wrong thinking about ourselves, our wrong thinkings. We, we respond out of our inferiorities. We respond out of our insecurities. We respond out of our fears. In other words, when we do that, we're acting like sheep, not war horses. The way we see God, the way you see God will affect the way you respond. You see, if you know God loves you, and you go through a season of correction, then you know behind it is a loving God. If you're not really sure that God really loves you, then you won't, correct, you won't respond correctly to the correction and the responding that God wants to do in our lives. So what God needs to do, what we need to learn to do, is to renew our minds as we begin to renew our minds, we change our attitudes, we change our behavior patterns. Without really renewing our minds, we're never going to allow God to direct and lead us in the way he wants to go. You see, what you set your mind on will control your life. As that rope goes round the, the neck of the horse, it's so that horse can be pulled into line in a true and correct direction. In other words, if our minds aren't renewed, God's pulling us wrong way, and we're wanting to go the other way. And so God has to change the way that we think. You know how what you set your attention to is where the power is, really. So as I learn to set my mind on the things of God, and my mind begins to come into a line with his thinking, then God's going to put me and direct me into his way, into his will. Have you noticed that God's ways are always above our ways? You know, God always takes us in a way that we would not naturally want to go. He found that. He does things that we would never think in a million years to do. Just his thinking is just so way out above, above, above our thinking. And we've got to learn to think the way he thinks. We've got to bring our mind into alignment with his mind so he can begin to work and do amazing things. I think often the way we think can be such a barrier to God using us in the way he wants to use us. Something else about that. The bridle, where, do you, where does the bridle go? It goes in the mouth. So we allow our thinking to come into line, and there's the massive big one. What about bringing your mouth into line, amen? Isn't that a great? I mean, sometimes we think that's easy to bring our mind into a certain degree, but what about our mouth? That is the real challenge. That is the real difficulty. To bring as the horse's mouth is brought into control, God wants to bring our mouth under control. Can you say amen? So our, our mouths come into line. See, our mouths can be so full of negativity. I often found that sometimes we actually contradict our prayers. Lord, we pray you're doing mighty miracles. Then two minutes later, we're saying, oh, oh no. We're complaining and moaning. Often, we often say things that are so contrary to what we're praying. Our mouths can be so full of negativity. Our mouths can be so critical, so complaining. And here's the incredible thing. Often we don't pay very much attention to what comes out of our mouth. I'm here to tell you the Bible does. The Bible says life and death, where do you think they're in the power of? The Bible says they're in the power of the tongue. We have the power to bless, the power to curse. So my mouth and what comes out of my mouth actually is very, very important. Because I can actually limit what God wants to do in my life simply by what comes out of my mouth. If I complain and moan and I'm critical, 
They limit what God wants to do with me. Because your words carry power. Like it or not, your words carry power. Almost your tongue is creative. Is that right? And so we've got to learn to bring our tongues into line what's in our hearts. Because out of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we've got to fill our hearts with the word of God. We've got to fill our hearts with God's will and God's purpose. And so our mouths come into line. We believe with our hearts and we confess with our mouths. I found words create atmospheres. What about you feel good? And you get around someone who's always saying encouraging things to you and they're always speaking blessings. Isn't that a good atmosphere to get around? Ever been around an atmosphere where it's very negative? Very critical, very judgmental. That's a hard atmosphere. Ever found that yourself? That the more you complain about something, the worse it feels. Ever found that? Do you feel better when you complained about it? You think, oh, I feel so much better now. I feel so alive now. I complained and moaned about that situation. You know what's why? You can't stop yourself. The more you complain, the more you moan, the more negative you get. It's like a downward spiral. You get worse and you get worse and you get worse. But it's amazing when you change the way you speak. It just affects atmospheres. It changes other people around you. You know what? People actually want to be around you. How many want to be around somebody who all they ever do is moan, complain, and be negative? How many want to be around that kind of person? Isn't that right? We want to be around people that want to encourage us, that want to bless us, that want to make us feel good. Isn't that right? And so the Bible says we bring into a line our mouths and our thinking. Almost finished. Here's the part I like. After the training, after all the things that it's gone through, after that horse has learned, you know what they do with horses, these war horses? They send them through all kinds of distractions. They, they, you know, they clang drums. They do all kinds of things to make sure that the horse will keep its mind set even though it's getting distractions. And then what happens after all that training, I love this, the trainer, the rider, will calm the horse down and will put a lovely warm blanket over the horse. Remember I said I didn't like horses, and I'll tell you why I don't like horses now. Years and years ago, Angie's family love horses, they really do. They've got, they've got their own horses, they love horses, they love all that sort of stuff. And once they made me go on a, on a, on a ride, I think one of the horses, I think Angie's horse was called Windy. And we knew why it was called Windy as well. Uh, and so, and I went on this horse, and I hated every minute of it. I just, it was like one of these things, if the rapture could come, let it come right now, this moment. I hated it. You're on the horse, and, and you sort of, you know, you're doing it, and this woman's saying, do this, and you're just going on this horse. And I hate, absolutely hated every minute of it. And at the end of it, I couldn't wait to get off the horse. So I'm about to run off. And this, have you met people who love horses, or love horses, and they do people? And she says, where are you going? And she made me take this horse into this paddock, you know, calm it down, you know, begin to brush it, you know, pad it and all this sort of stuff. And I hated every minute of it. But the reason why you do that is it calms the horse down. You kind of, you know, you, the horse is massaged, the, 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 the muscles are stimulated, the digestive, you know, helps. And you brush it, you give it food and your water. And here's where I just got this revelation of it. You see, God wants to take care of you. You know, what, you know what that trainer will do? The ones who actually ride the war horses into battle, they will sleep with the horse for two weeks. You know why? So they smell like the horse. How many want to smell like your pet? You know what I mean? 
And they actually sleep with the horse for two weeks. So that horse thinks, he smells like me. You know, and there's almost that amazing kind of connection. <laughs> you know, you can make it as you like. But, so the horse gets the impression that no matter what I'm going through, that rider is going to be with me. No matter what I'm going through in life, that rider is going to be there with me. Because when that horse rides into battle, there's going to be cannons blasting, there's going to be gunfire. That war horse has got to learn to trust its rider, no matter what. And I'm thinking more and more what God's looking for above all else is we learn to trust him. I wonder, right in the depth of your heart, do you really trust God? Do you really trust God with your life? Do you really trust God with your situations? Do you really trust God with your future? Do you really trust God with what lies ahead? I think the one thing that the enemy's worked against the church and so many believers' hearts is he's somehow broken the place of trust. And although we may go through the outward exteriors, deep in our hearts, I think a lot of people struggle with trust. They don't really trust God. That's why they resort to human wisdom and human power. Because they don't really, deep in their hearts, trust God. And I think if there's any message coming through today, it's God saying, learn to trust me. Learn to trust me when your circumstances seem to be... Seem to be seem to be contrary to what you're going through right now. Learn to trust me with those hard situations. Learn to trust me in your heartbreaks. Learn to trust me when life's falling apart. Learn the lesson to trust me. I've got it all in hands. I've got it all in control. Where does trust really happen? You can't really trust someone you don't really know. I guarantee right now that you're not going to share the depth of your heart with someone you don't know. Is that right? You're not going to really say, by the way, I trust you. You know, how many are going to trust me with their car right now? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's, no, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when you know certain aspects about a person, you trust them with certain things. Because you know that person, and because you know that person, you trust them in certain levels of life. I'm just wondering today, how much do we really trust God? Here's the issue. You only trust someone you really know well. And trust isn't just something that just happens. It comes through intimacy. It comes through getting close to God. Because the closer I get to him, the more I will trust him. The more I'll rely on him. Because the opposite to, to no trust is fear. If we're in fear, it's because we're in a place of no trust. We don't really trust God. That's why we're full of fear. But when you really trust God, you know what goes? The fear. And I believe that when we're, when we're really intimately acquainted with him, you know what happens? There's a boldness there. There's a fearlessness there. That we face the battle with boldness. We face the battle, we're almost fearless. Because we're intimately acquainted with the living God who's not against us, but he is what? For us. Those are the kind of war horses that God's raising up who are going to go into battle thinking, yes, another victory about to happen here. That difficulty is an opportunity for testimony. 
That problem is an opportunity for the power of God to come. That's war horses that God's raising up. Let me close with this. How many of you have ever read the book or seen the film about Narnia? Seen those things? There's a, a, part, a certain part in the story. Because I think this, that we can live a life of status quo that requires little of us and presents very little danger. I love the story where it says, Aslam, this is Lucy. Remember Lucy? This is what she says. Aslam, Lucy says, and she's speaking about Aslam, is it safe? How many love the badger? I love the badgers. This is what the badger says. Any, anything, she said, he said, anything about being safe, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. God may not be safe, but God is good. I just love that. And I think living beyond safe transition is between becoming a, living the life of a sheep or living as a warhorse. There may be difficulties, there may be things we go through, but it's always for our greatest good and for, his, for our greatest benefit. Because God is in the business of transitioning people from a, from a sheep into a war horse. Raising up spiritual warriors who are going to go forward and follow God and do amazing things for his glory. Let's just stand right now before him. Let's say to the Lord today, just that work that in me, God. Maybe you're feeling you're going through a season and just wondering what, why kind of these kind of maybe certain things are hitting our lives, coming against our lives. I just want you to open your heart now and say, God, thank you. I'm in transition. I'm being turned into a war horse, a spiritual warrior. I can do your will and your purpose from my heart now. Thank you, Lord. I'm learning the lessons of trust. I'm learning lessons to be, to be confident in you. To know that whatever I'm facing right now, you're more than sufficient for that situation. You're more than sufficient for whatever I'm facing right now. Your grace is sufficient. Your strength is sufficient. And you're taking me and making me into an incredible war horse. To amazing things. That's got to work on your heart right now. Say, God, today, take the reins of my life today. I no longer want to go my direction, no longer want to go my way, but I, in a sense, I, I give you the reins. Come and reign in my life. Come and direct my life. Give me your counsel. Give me your leading right now. Prepare my heart for all that you have for me in this day and this age. I know, maybe you're here today and you just need healing in your body. Why don't you just, where you stand right now, just say, Lord, just, just put your hand maybe on where the physical condition is right now. And just trust him today. Trust him to touch your body. Trust him to say, God, today I'm putting my faith in you. Just come and heal my body. Lord, right now we just bring any ailments in this place right now. We, we break any spirit of infirmity. And Lord, into those areas of pain, into those areas of 
of, of difficulties right now. We, we just release your healing power right now. Just release your healing anointing right now into those areas of pain and discomfort right now. Just come and touch any, any physical ailment in this place right now. Release your healing power, I pray, in this place right now. In Jesus' name. Maybe right now that you're facing a really difficult circumstance, a real difficult challenge. Just say, Lord, today, I just pray, give me your strength right now for that situation. Lord, I pray, let your strength flood into those situations right now. Let your grace be sufficient for every circumstance right now, for every need in this place. Let your grace be more than sufficient, I pray right now. Lord, we want to praise you. 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 Lord, touch every heart, touch every life by your Spirit right now. Let your Spirit flow in every heart and every life right now. Lord, move upon us, Lord. Move upon us by your Spirit right now. Let your heart, let your love, let your power touch every life right now. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elim Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.